kind of a departure from what you thought was philosophically their feelings toward their football team heading into 2018, which was if we can surround Eli with some pieces like, you know, Saquon Barkley, we can sign Nate Solder, draft Will Hernandez to play left guard, Solder play left tackle. We have Odell Beckham. We signed him to a long-term deal. We have Landon Collins. We have Olivier Vernon. We have some people on defense that can maybe hold it down. Maybe we can challenge in the NFC East. Now, all of a sudden, it looks like you're taking all of that and you're taking a giant eraser and going, just like scrubbing all that out, yeah. and you're starting over. If you trade him, to me, you've reset it. You've reset not only back to where you were before 2018, but maybe a little further, further. back. It's a New York state of mind today on the Sports Pen on ESPN UP and online with the ESPN UP app. I'm Tanner Hoops, and I've got some thoughts on how the sports landscape has changed in the Big Apple over the last couple of days. The breaking news yesterday Odell Beckham Jr traded to the Cleveland Browns for a third-round pick and safety Jabril Peppers. Then, right around midnight last night, Le'Veon Bell ends his holdout, and he signs, albeit takes a pay cut, with the New York Jets. And of course, the James Dolan saga continues to unfold for the New York Knicks. So you've got one New York sports franchise with optimism, maybe a little uncertainty. You have a whole lot of uncertainty with another franchise, but not optimism, one of the furthest things from it. And then you've got a franchise that is doing its darndest to be able to waste the cap space it made by trading away its star player, the face of their franchise. They're trying their darndest to scare away any major free agents that they could land in the offseason by showing them what a dumpster fire they are in the front office. We're going to get to all that here in the first few minutes of the show. Troy Matson, head women's basketball coach in Northern Michigan, will join me in about 15 minutes. we got a few more guests coming on throughout the day as well, including Scott Sergila and Randy Carlson, both coaches in Marquette County. But we're going to start with New York and the state of Big Apple Pro Sports. New York's two NFL franchises dominated last night's news cycle. One of them optimistic, the other pessimistic. The New York Jets are the winners of the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes. Said on the show yesterday, there were three teams I really thought should make a push to get Le'Veon Bell, and the Jets were one of them. But I said that they were going to have to break the bank to do it. And I was wrong. I was wrong. Le'Veon Bell took a pay cut to come back to the league. Four years, $52.5 million is what the deal was worth. Le'Veon blinked. Le'Veon was playing chicken with every franchise owner in the NFL, waiting for somebody to give him that max contract. A time in sports where athletes are setting new records with the contracts they sign, Le'Veon Bell takes a pay cut. He sits out a year after being an all-pro with Pittsburgh, and he takes a pay cut to go to the New York Jets, a team that has struggled very much over the last, what, decade? Pittsburgh, other than New England, has been the epitome of consistency in the NFL. Now, he goes to a division that is owned by Tom Brady. He's going to have to play him twice a year. And I'm critical of this, not because of the Jets signing him. I thought that was a great move. I'm critical of Le'Veon. I think he blinked. I think he could have got more money. I'm not saying he should have, or even that he should get more money. But I know a lot of teams didn't want to pay quarterback money for a running back. And it gets to the point where if you hold out long enough, people wonder how effective you still can be. So while there's a lot of optimism for Jets fans in bringing in Le'Veon Bell, there's a lot of uncertainty too. How good is this guy going to be 
after taking a year off. Still young. Still assume that he's got it. But how's he going to be? That's tricky to try and do, is take a year off and then come back. Can you still be that all-pro caliber player? Will he still be the same running back that he was in Pittsburgh? You have a new head coach coming in, too. A guy I think is a good NFL head coach in Adam Gase. And then you've got a whole lot of uncertainty around you. An unproven young quarterback in Sam Darnold who's going to be in his second year. And then you've got expectations that are going to be put on you with this move being made. Jets fans are optimistic. They're optimistic, but is adding Le'Veon Bell going to put them over the top? What were they, 4-12 and last season? Do they think that adding a running back is going to make them 8-8? Eight and eight? A playoff team? Jets fans are ecstatic about what happened yesterday, especially because their crosstown rival appears to be regressing. But should they be this jubilant? I mean, it's a step in the right direction, don't get me wrong. But what are they expecting out of this season? Do they think that Le'Veon's going to put them over the top? That's my concern with this move. If you're a Jets fan, just remember, this is still the Jets. And while they've had a fantastic free agency period, they still play in the AFC East. I don't know what to expect from New York this year. I'm saying maybe six, seven wins, something like that. I don't know that yesterday's move is going to improve the Jets' win-loss record all that much. Will it help? Absolutely, bringing a guy like Le'Veon Bell in. But is Le'Veon four or five wins above replacement caliber? A guy that could single-handedly turn the Jets into an 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight, and seven team? Get their record to 500 or better? I don't know that he is. And I don't know that they have the team in place right now to do it. Let's go cross town. The New York Giants. Now, I've been rooting for the Giants the last few years. Eli Manning was my favorite player growing up. Still like him a lot. But what are the Giants doing? I don't think they know, to be honest with you. Dave Gettleman, second year GM over there. I don't know that he has a vision for the New York Giants. I don't think he knows what he wants them to be. Giants fans thought, Eli's a lame duck quarterback. 38 years old, but he's won his two Super Bowls. Let's let him play out his contract and then start building for the future. You got good pieces around him. You got Saquon, you got Ingram, Sterling Shepard, OBJ. Defensively, you've got an all-pro in Landon Collins, who they didn't franchise tag. They let him walk, and now he's staying in the division. They're going to have to play him twice a year. And now you take away Eli Manning's biggest weapon. When Odell Beckham Jr. has not been on the field since coming into the league in 2014, Eli Manning has the second-worst passer rating among starters in the NFL. The only one below him, Blake Bortles, who's led the league in interceptions and pick-sixes since he's come into the league. So Big Blue is in total rebuild mode. The problem is they don't know what they're building. Dave Gettleman doesn't have a vision for this Giants team. Now, they got Jabril Peppers from Cleveland. I mean, that's a good pickup. I don't know that he'll fill Landon Collins' spot. I expect Peppers to be used as a nickel corner in James Betcher's defense. I don't know that we'll see a lot of him at free safety. But what frustrates me is a guy who kind of follows the Giants. I'm more there for Eli Manning. Again, I grew up liking him. I grew up liking the old Giants teams. Back when Jeremy Shockey was there, Michael Strahan... OCU Minora, R.W. McCorders, 
And now the only relic of the old guard that's left is Eli Manning. Once he's out of the league, I need to start looking for a new NFL franchise. I need a new bandwagon to join here in a couple of years. Tweet the show at ESPNUP what team I should become a fan of once Eli Manning's out of there. But I digress. The frustrating part about this trade is someone who follows the Giants. They didn't even get a first-round pick from Cleveland. Are you telling me that Amari Cooper's worth a first-round pick and Odell Beckham Jr.'s not? And it's not like New York is desperate to trade him. There'd be a lot of suitors for OBJ, including San Francisco. They seem to really want him. You're telling me you couldn't bring in a first-round pick for Odell Beckham or even multiple? Multiple firsts? I don't know if there's a process to be trusted in New York right now, but there is one in Cleveland. All of a sudden, the Cleveland Browns become the favorites of the AFC North. We are living in the movie Draft Day with Kevin Costner. We have not seen this kind of optimism from Cleveland Browns fans since that movie came out. Great movie, by the way. It's in our Greatest Movies of All Time bracket challenge, which I'm going to update here at the end of the segment. While Cleveland has bolstered themselves during this free agency period, their divisional opponents have not. In fact, most of them have been picked apart through free agency. Let's start there. Pittsburgh Steelers lose their top two players, Le'Veon Bell to New York and Antonio Brown to Oakland. The Baltimore Ravens boasted the top-ranked defense last year. They had four different players lead them in the categories of tackles, sacks, defensive snaps, and batted passes, and they lost all of them in the last week. And the Cincinnati Bengals, they've done nothing during this free agency period. They've done nothing to bolster a last-place team. Pittsburgh loses their top two players. Baltimore loses their defense. Cincinnati loses games. The Cleveland Browns are primed to win the AFC North. You add Odell Beckham Jr. to an offense that includes Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, David Njoku, Antonio Callaway, Jarvis Landry, Richard Higgins, and at the end of the year, presumably, you're going to get Kareem Hunt. Probably in time for a playoff push. I'm expecting maybe a 12-game suspension for him. He's back by November, December. He's going to help this team push to the playoffs. Plus, on defense, Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson make their way over to Cleveland. Off-season exec of the year is John Dorsey, general manager of the Cleveland Browns, because he is building something special, and he's bringing optimism to a franchise that two years ago went winless. They went 0-16. They had a parade. They even had special fridges full of Bud Light that would open up and be distributed for free around the city of Cleveland when they finally snapped their losing streak. Same thing that UCF did a few years ago, and now they're coming off back-to-back BCS Bowls. We're coming up against a break real quickly. James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks, one of the worst owners in sports, if not the. Who's an owner that could rival him? Not even Daniel Snyder, for all his personal faults. Daniel Snyder of the Washington Redskins. He's put together watchable teams. James Dolan hasn't. You all know by now that earlier this week, a fan yelled at James Dolan from the stands and said, sell the team. James Dolan then had the fan removed from the stadium by security and placed a lifetime ban on that fan for yelling, sell the team. I don't know if James Dolan's on social media, not officially, but maybe there's a burner account or two out there. But I dare you to find someone in professional sports with thinner skin than him. Kevin Durant might be up there. 
who, by the way, bank on it, he will not be a New York Nick. Not this season, not ever. Because no one wants to play for this type of an organization that's managed this way, that's managed this poorly. James Dolan banned reporters because he didn't like the criticism. He had Charles Oakley, a New York great, forcibly removed from the stadium. He can't take criticism. And he's showing how poorly he can run a franchise because of it. How he lets his personal insecurities get in the way of his business. And it shows that the Knicks front office is a dumpster fire. And that's not going to attract anyone to New York. It's not going to attract Kevin Durant. It's not going to attract Kyrie Irving. No one's going to want to play for an organization like that. Because they're the epitome of disorganization. You can't trade away your top player and free up all this cap space enough that you can sign two max superstars and then do everything you can to show how poorly you run your organization. That's not going to make Kevin Durant want to come. That's not going to make Kyrie Irving or anybody want to come. There is another reason why I don't think Kevin Durant will come to New York, but that one's more for political reasons rather than James Dolan. I'll just say this. Kevin Durant is an investor. He's not just a basketball player. He's pretty involved in the Silicon Valley, out in California where he is right now. He's involved down there. He's got a lot of investments. You think he wants to come to New York that isn't able to attract Amazon, Barr? You think maybe there's a couple of particular New York lawmakers out there that are making the state an unattractive place to start a business? Not a political show. I'm not going to go any further than that. Let's take a look at the greatest movie of all time poll. Let's update the brackets. We are on to the quarterfinal round. We started in the football region. Four matchups you voted on yesterday. Rudy, 72% to Invincibles, 28. Thank you, listeners. I love my listeners. I do. Rudy gets over 70% of the vote, and they're moving on to the semis. The Longest Yard takes down Varsity Blues, 73% to 27. Remember the Titans, Another 73-27% win. They get the dub over We Are Marshall. And Draft Day, there you go. There's that plug. Draft Day, 60% to 40 over any given Sunday. So the football semifinals are set. Rudy against the longest yard. Remember the Titans against Draft Day. Today, the matchups you're voting on are in the basketball and hockey regional. And here are the matchups that you're voting on until midnight tonight. Again, polls are open on Twitter at ESPNUP. Miracle against Like Mike. Hoop Dreams or Mighty Ducks. Space Jam against Hoosiers. That's a good one. And Coach Carter or Slapshot. Again, polls open till midnight tonight. Help us figure out what the greatest sports movie of all time is. All right, coming up. The Wildcats are dancing. The Northern Michigan women's basketball team gets set to head down south for the NCAA tournament. Head coach Troy Matson joins me next in the sports panel on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. All phone guests join us via the ESPN-UP hotline. That's how my next guest is with us. Northern Michigan women's basketball head coach Troy Matson as his team prepares to go south for the NCAA tournament. Coach, congrats on a fantastic season thus far. Hopefully we can keep it going a few more games down in Missouri. Well, we'd like to do more than a few games, honestly. But, uh, you know, we'll start with the first one. Obviously, we're playing the same opponent we just got done playing, so... 
the scouting report. Uh, it's just a matter of us uh, showing up a couple of things that we broke down on. Well, Coach, I want to get to the Ashland matchup, and I want to recap the last couple of weeks for your team. Ended the regular season with a disappointing loss at Michigan Tech. Had a chance to get the three seed and win the division. Weren't able to do it. How'd your team bounce back and get into tournament mode and go on the run that you did? You know, the regular season is what it is, and, you know, unfortunately we didn't accomplish one of our goals. But, uh, you know, uh, we, uh, we've been pretty resilient all year. Uh, about uh, trying to stay focused. Uh, we, we did a, a, a real good job in the second half getting into the Ferris game, you know, and then moving on into the, you know, the tournament down at Grand Valley where we played a great, great, I thought we played great all weekend and really had our game under control and had an opportunity to win the whole tournament. Well, Coach, you get the win over Ferris to start the GLIAC tournament. Then you really get everybody's attention by taking down Grand Valley State in the semis. And maybe it was the way that you did it. You started slow, falling 11 nothing early on, and then came back and got uh, pretty even with them late in the second half. And then your defense took over in the fourth quarter. Tell me about that Grand Valley game. You know, it, uh, we played them the week before, and uh, it's kind of the same scenario happened. You know, we didn't score, but you know, we had two free throws at the end of the first quarter. And, I mean, within within the 30 seconds, I mean, we almost got shut out two weeks in a row in the first quarter uh, against Grand Valley. They're a great defensive team, you know. But I, I think we were just panicking a little bit in the, in the moment uh, and didn't have our offense under control where we had uh, got good passes and good looks. And, and uh, we, we sat in a huddle after the first quarter and just said, hey, we were in the same situation last week. We caught up by doing and staying with our game plan. And defensively, we really, really got tough, you know, in the last three quarters. And, and then our offense kind of settled down. And, and as we kind of talked about all week, if we pass the ball well out of their traps, uh, we will have opportunities to score. And, and then uh, I thought Darby Youngstrom and Jessica Schultz really took over the game in the post, not only with some of the scores, but more so with the pass and really sharp passing which led to even better passes and then gave our shooters a chance to, you know, to make shots. And, you know, we've been a defensive team all year long, and, uh, you know, and, and it showed. You know, it really showed in the last, uh, you know, throughout the whole game, but especially in the last couple, in the second half against Grand Valley, and really put it, to, you know, the screws into them and, and really held them down. And uh, we were pretty, uh, you know, obviously we're pretty excited about getting that win. Well, Coach, you take on Ashland on Sunday for the conference title game. Played them within two points going into the fourth quarter, but Ashland ends up pulling away. They win the title. Your team still makes it into the tournament as an at-large. Does that give you any uh, any confidence knowing that you know it's an automatic bid if you win the tournament, but the committee liked your resume, your body of work, and uh, thought you earned a spot in the tournament? Definitely. I mean, we had three, we had four major wins throughout the year. Um, one was Minnesota Moorhead, who was one of the top two or three teams in the region next to us. Uh, and for much of the year, they were under undefeated, other than the two the, the loss that they had to us and the loss they had to Tech. Uh, that was a big, big win for us. And then beating Lewis University on the first game of the year was a big win because they're the number two seed in our region. And they were always they were always in the top twenty and actually got in the top ten nationally, so that was a big win for us. And then obviously beating Grand Valley twice this year. Both times they were ranked in the top ten. I think both times they were number seven in the country. And then to go down on their court and beat them. And, and then there's one outside line factor: we, we beat that Grand Valley without one of our best players. 
uh, a first-team all-conference player in Lexi Smith, and we plan on getting her back uh, for this weekend. So the NCAA committee has to look at that also, that that was really an impressive win against Grand Valley without one of our best players on Grand Valley's home court. Well, Coach, you'll be the five seed at the Midwest Regional this weekend in Springfield, Missouri. Again, it's Ashland. You've got plenty of tape on them. You know what to expect from them. What's this week look like as far as preparation for you? Uh, we're flying out tomorrow uh, around noon. Uh, we'll get down there. Um, you know, we've got practice in the morning tomorrow. We'll fly out at noon, uh, get down there in the middle of the afternoon, and then, uh, you know, go have a good dinner tomorrow night. And, you know, kind of rest and get relaxed into our situation. And then Thursday will be a preparation day, whether it be film or, or practice. And, and, uh, and then again, resting up when we get the opportunity. And then Friday, we got all day again, you know, but there will be games going on that we'll have an opportunity to watch some of the other teams play, you know, around our practice and our preparation time. So um, it, it's good that we're getting down there a couple of days early. Last time we went, we only went only one day early, and it kind of got hectic on us. So we're going to get the opportunity to get rested up here, get a little bit more prepared for playing Ashland, uh, which we haven't had a lot of time in preparation for them because of the situations that we've been in. And uh, try to just shore up, uh, you know, a couple of things that we broke down on. I mean, we had opportunities in the past week to beat the number seven and the number six team in the country and also being shorthanded on our end. So we're, you know, we're excited and we're confident right now. And as long as we can control the way we want to play, uh, we're going to give ourselves a great opportunity. Coach, tell me about the moment the brackets were released on Sunday night and you found out that you were one of the final 32. Tell me about the moment the team realized they're going dancing. You know, we were sitting on the bus in St. Ignace and we were waiting for the show to start. And it was all chaos because uh, because uh, the live stream was all messed up. And, and uh, somebody had texted, uh, both, uh, texted me telling us we were in, so I kind of knew we were in. And the girls were waiting for the live stream to go through. And, and then it was just, you know, once they saw their name, because you never know. Um, you know, you never know. There were so many teams so close about getting in in those final four spots. Um, and uh, it was jubilation on the bus. Uh, the girls were so excited. It was just an awesome scene to be, to be truthful with you. Well, Coach, your defense has set the tempo for your squad this year. Did you know coming into the season this was going to be a defensive-minded team? You know, we've been working, you know, we, you know, that's what we practice from day one, is to be a great defensive team now. As I tell our team and people that kind of know us, we have a very uh, unique uh, situation here where we got a lot of length and, and we got enough toughness on the defensive end to be able to hold people down. And, and that's pretty much who we are. And, and all season long, we've been in the top five in the country with points per game against. And uh, it's something to be very, very proud of. But, uh, you know, we need to stay true to that and stay true to who we are throughout the whole process, try to get teams to play the way we want to play. And uh, so far we've been able to do that. And, uh, and uh, yes, we, we think we're a great defensive team and we're going to have to continue to be that. Talking with Troy Matson, head women's basketball coach at Northern Michigan, ahead of his first-round tournament matchup against Ashland. Coach, this team with 22 wins ties for the most ever that you've had at Northern. Tell me how this year's squad compares to some of the others that you've had that have gone this far. You know, we, we're probably not as talented offensively as teams have had in the past. Uh, but like I said, we have a very unique skill set, uh, and that is the ability to play defense. 
and to really make it hard on other teams, probably more so than my other teams. So it's different, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I, I like this team a lot. Um, we just need to find areas where we can score. And, uh, and when we can do that, we really make it tough on people because we can get the ball and keep the game, you know, in perspective uh, as to numbers that we want to put up uh, for them to put up defensively. And, and uh, we need to continue to do that, and we will. You know, that's just who we are. And, and, uh, but we play a very, uh, you know, different style team with Ashland, and it gives us some problems, and we're going to try to shore up uh, our issues with them in the next few days. Well, Coach, all conference teams came out last week, and for those who may not have heard, if you could speak to some of your uh, representatives on the all-conference team. Well, we'll start with Darby Youngstrom, has been outstanding since Christmas. Um, she has, you know, in some games, has just put us on her back and carried us through some pretty tough situations. We've been down in numbers due to injuries and, and uh, illnesses, so that has, you know, put a little bit of a burden on some people, but Darby has really stepped up and been a major player uh, on both ends of the court. Uh, Lexi Smith is a first-team all-conference player. She's been out the past uh, two weeks, and, um, you know, unfortunately we think we're going to be getting her back for this weekend. Um, she's just, uh, you know, she's just, a, uh, let's put it this way, she's a stud. She's a stud of an athlete. Uh, she has the capabilities of scoring big some nights, and she's one of our toughest people. Uh, helps us rebounding-wise on both ends of the court, which we've missed lately. And uh, so it will be really good to have her back. Uh, Jessica Schultz has really stepped up in the absence of Lexi, uh, on second-team all-conference and first-team all-defense. Uh, Jessica's game has continued to get better, um, and, and uh, she will have to be a major, major part coming down the stretch here for us again. And then Sydney Dillinger got on the all-defensive team, which I thought she should have been on last year, but um, she got on the first-team all-defensive team. Uh, she's incredible, one of the best defensive players that I have ever coached. And um, she just, uh, you know, she gives it every night. She tries to stop the other team's best player every single night. She does an incredible job with it. All right, Coach, last thing before I let you go. Fundamentally, what does your team need to do to take care of business this weekend? We need to shore up our defense a little bit. We, we, we cannot score, you know, 65-plus and into the 70s. If Ashland gets into the 65 and up into the 70s, we're going to have a tough time beating them. We just, we just can't create that many points. So we really need to shore up our defense exactly how we want it. Uh, these two or three days of preparation are going to be big for us. Like I said, we've only had like a half an hour both times that we've played them. So we've been breaking down a little bit in our defense. I think we can shore that end up. And then uh, we need people to step up and make big plays. You know, Darby had a huge game against them. Jessica had a couple of opportunities to really, you know, keep us in that game throughout the whole process. And then our shooters got to make shots out on the perimeter when they get the opportunity. But uh, first and foremost, we got to get our defense right down exactly how we want it. Troy Matson, head women's basketball coach in Northern Michigan. His team will take on Ashland Friday in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Coach, appreciate the time as always. All the best this weekend. We'll be watching from up here. Thanks. Appreciate it very much. More coming up in the sports pen after this. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you, joined by Randy Carlson, head softball coach at Nagani. 
And uh, a lot happening over in Nagani right now, whether it be softball fundraisers or the NIT. We break it all down for you over the next couple of minutes. Uh, Randy, starting with the NIT, you got that going last weekend. You continue with it into this weekend. But tell me how the Class C portion of your tournament went over the weekend. Yeah, this past weekend we actually had the women's um, we had the women's bracket and the Class D, um, and those both went well. Um, we had some real competitive games, um, especially early. Um, our first two two games of the day on Saturday were overtime games, which um, which is always pretty neat because when you're matching up teams and, and putting teams in classes, you don't always know how competitive. You know, you're you're just kind of um, you're relying on trying to just get good matchups and that turned out well um and it was yeah so overall things went pretty smoothly and we were happy with with the way it went well and you've got weekend number two coming up this weekend give the fans a little information about that how they can come watch and be a part of it yeah this weekend is class b and class c um the nit used to have a class a um but that when they did that that was they paid out a lot of money to the teams that come up here and, and us being a fundraiser and kind of just starting, we don't have that kind of um, capital to do something like that. So we have Class B and Class C, um, and our Class B is basically an open class. And so um, with Class B, there are there's going to be some really quality teams. We have some we have a, um, a high school, kind of an all-star team, and then we also have a couple of teams that have quite a few former um, Northern and Michigan Tech players on it. So I think um, that'll be very competitive, and then our Class C is going to be really competitive. Also, we have um, we have nine teams in Class C, and um, some very good teams there. So I think you, you know anybody that wants to watch some good basketball, um, that'll be on display this weekend. Tell me a little more about that high school all-star team. About maybe some of the players that'll make up the roster. Yeah, there there's some um, there's some Marquette kids um, on the roster. Was uh, Marius Grizulius was on there. Um, there is um, a couple of kids from Kingsford. Um, not sure of, like like I say, where all of the kids are from. Um, Tucker Taylor from Gwynn, I know, was on the roster. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of a um, kind of a conglomeration of kids, and and I think they'll be uh, they'll be a formidable formidable opponent. But then you also you know them being young, playing against some of the the college kids that are have a little bit more experience it'll be interesting to see how they how they match up well uh randy tell me a little about how uh you select teams for this tournament and the class uh divisions what have you tell me how all that factors in and uh what your process is for that yeah so basically when a team turns in a roster um they we we basically have them you know kind of tell us what class they think they belong in um and then once um, we see the rosters. We have several people that are kind of familiar with players from around the area, and so then if there's if there's somewhat of a discrepancy or if somebody's kind of um, in between classes, then we try to just match them up where we we think they belong. Um, our class B is basically like an open class, so you know that can be anybody that's played um, any kind of college ball or or you know just basically our uh, what we would consider your your you know your kind of top class um the thought was our class c was going to be um maybe people that have some smaller college experience or kids that played high school but are a little bit older um that have been uh, you know more in their 30s kind of thing um and then our class d the the um i guess our criteria was that was primarily we wanted that to be 
people that haven't played a whole lot of high school ball or um, people that, that have played but maybe haven't had as much um, haven't had as much experience or maybe kind of in their 40s. But it is it's still a crapshoot. You know, you get certain teams like, for instance, one of the one of the players that was uh, was an all tournament team in our class B was Austin Forbes, who was a was a good player at Gwynn this year, just out of high school. But then his team um, was some other some other kids that hadn't played um, a whole lot or maybe you know played played some high school ball, but and they ended up losing their first two games, even though, um, like I said, Austin made the the all tournament team. So it is kind of like I, like I say again, it's it's trying to just match up um, teams where where you're going to get a competitive balance, and, and you know you, you can never have there's never a perfect perfect uh, scenario where you can get everybody classified exactly where they need to be. But I thought, like I said, this this um, our class B went pretty well as far as that goes, and hopefully our B and C will be the same way. Tell me about your tournament format. Is it a double elimination, pool play, what have you? Yeah, so basically this year um, our class, when we went into the tournament to begin with, our class B was going to be the only one that was going to be double elimination. But because in some of the other classes we didn't have as many teams, we went with double elimination for the the D and the women's. Um, And then with this weekend, the class B, like we initially intended, will be a double elimination. There's six teams in that. But then our class C, we have nine teams, and so we had to go with a single elimination in, in class C just to be able to get enough games in. Um, you know, the weekend we're, we're limited in, in as far as um, how many um, games we can play, and so we had to go to a uh, single elimination for, for class C. Doug with Randy Carlson, head softball coach at Nagani, also the organizer for the NIT. It's going to continue on this weekend. Randy, where can uh... – Where's all this going to take place? How can the fans uh, come out and watch if you have attendance and attendance fee and uh, anything like concessions or any other details? Yeah, so our first game is uh, Friday night at 6 o'clock, and we'll have games through 9.45. Um, Saturday games start at 10 a.m., and we'll run through our final game is at 8 o'clock Saturday night. Um, Sunday we start at 10 and our, um, our class C final is at 145 and our class B final is at three o'clock. Um, all games are at Lakeview gym. Um, we have full concession, um, and admission is $3 for adults, $2 for students and seniors. Um, yeah. And like I say, there should be some, some very good basketball on display this weekend. And, and hopefully by looking at the weather forecast, it looks like the weather is, going to be pretty decent so hopefully we get a a lot of people coming out to watch some good basketball do you have a pretty good number of teams that are going to fill your slots this year were you happy with the number of teams that signed up yeah you know overall we were happy um it was kind of one of those things where we uh a few weeks ago we weren't sure we were even going to be able to have it because we didn't have a whole lot of teams but we got a lot of them in late um we ended up with a total of 25 teams um, this year, which for our first year back, we're happy with, um, you know, especially with only doing two weekends. Um, sometimes, like I say, we have a limited amount of games we can play. So it kind of worked out perfect as far as getting um, getting the number of um, games. You know, like I said, if we had any more, it could have been a problem. So, um, But what we're going to do next year, too, there's, 
you know, we hope to grow this every year. So, you know, we have options next year of possibly adding another weekend or possibly going to, like, our original format was going to be where we would do um, single elimination for every class except for a class B. Well, tell me about some ways that you've seen the tournament grow over the past few years and maybe what your plans are for the future with it. Yeah, well, see, in the past, so the NIT in 2014 was 50 years old. That was their 50th anniversary. Um, And then because of a lack of volunteers, it went away for um, up until this year. We we decided to bring it back. But, you know, in the past, it was a a little bit of a different format. They had a Class A through a 45 and older, and there were um, each of the lower classes when you got to – um, D and E, there was like a double D and an E. So there was quite a few different classes, and the tournament went on for about a month and a half. They ran almost every day. Um, they, there would be a day off here and there, but pretty much it was it was a continuously running um, tournament. So um, when we decided to bring it back, of course, we don't have the time or the, the, the gym availability to, to run something on that of that magnitude. But what we... Um, what we wanted to do was to, you know, we got it. We started out with this couple of weekends, and what we would like to do is every year grow um, the tournament if we can. Um, you know, we we are doing this as a fundraiser for our softball program. Um, softball is a is a non funded sport, uh, non school funded sport in Nagani, and there are a couple of other um, non school funded um, sports such as hockey and uh, boys baseball, and so you know, kind of our ultimate. Um, plan is if we can grow this to each year and get a little bit bigger is to eventually maybe incorporate some of those other programs in um, because that is one challenge as a when you're when you're trying to run a sport is, is fundraising and what we kind of look at is um, a lot of the fundraising that we do we're out asking people for um, for stuff or trying to sell people stuff all the time and that's and we appreciate every, you know, all of our sponsors and everybody that does that. But it, this is kind of nice in a way because it, it's something that we can do where we're 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 still making some money for our program, but yet we can give something back to the community in a way by, um, you know, putting something out there that's been a, a long tradition in Nagani, and it's, um, you know, like I say, something that it you're not directly asking people for for money or to buy stuff that maybe they don't have an interest in buying, and they're just they're just doing it to be to be, you know, a good um, a supporter. Well, Randy, uh, you mentioned the softball fundraising aspect of things, and you've got another fundraiser going on, and I hope I'm saying this right, but Kudigi is uh, what your team's selling. My first question, maybe it's just because I'm fairly new to the area, what is Kudigi? Kudigi is a sausage that um, that is very popular in UP, especially, I would say, uh, Marquette County, um, you know, they have, there's some, some local establishments that have excellent um, Kudigi sandwiches, so if you haven't had one, I would say definitely you need to go out and try one, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a sausage, there's beef and pork along with a lot of spices and, and things in it, and basically you can, there's a lot of uses, you can use it in spaghetti, you know, on pizza, um, they have the Kudigi sandwiches, but um, so what we are going to do is we are making um, Kudigi and selling it in one pound um, in one pound packages and people can purchase those and what we're the plan is that we are going to have it ready for delivery on April 7th and there'll be more details coming out about that as far as where and um, 
what time they can pick it up as, as far as that day. But we have some sign-up sheets at the – we'll have it at the NIT. And there's also um, – and for anybody that wants information about the NIT also, we have a Facebook site. It's under Nagani Invitational Tournament. And if um, – so if people go onto that site, there should be places too where if, if you're interested in, in purchasing some kurugi, you can go on and, um, and sign up on there or at least contact somebody and they'll put you on a sign-up sheet. Um, so, so yeah, that is um, another thing that we, we decided to try this year, and um, we've tried some other things in the past, but, you know, Kurugi is something that's, it's a, like I say, very popular in this area, and I, um, and I, think, it'll be, uh, I think it'll be a very popular, um, popular fundraising opportunity. Randy Carlson, head softball coach at Nagani, getting set for the NIT this weekend. Again, go to Lakeview and check them out Friday through Sunday. $3 admission for adults, two for students. Randy, appreciate the time. Hope this weekend goes well. All right, thank you very much. Let's take a time out when we come back. Saturday is draft day in the UP as rosters will be announced for the annual high school football all-star game. We're joined by one of the coaches next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you, joined by Westwood head football coach Scott Sergula. He will be the head football coach of one of the UP All-Star teams coming up this summer. But, Coach, it'll be draft day on Saturday, and they put on a fantastic event for this. Uh, The whole region gets to come together and watch some of the greatest high school football players the UP has to offer on one stage. And tell me a little about the event as a whole and what it means to be a part of it. Well, uh, this one, I believe, will be my fifth all-star game. I was able to uh, coach with Jeff um, for three years. And then um, last year, uh, I coached with some of my staff. We kind of did the defensive side of it and, some of my staff did a little bit of the offensive side, but uh, Al Fenberg from Bark River Harris, which uh, he's a good friend of mine, uh, and Coach Wilgenin, uh, we, we were able to coach, um, you know, with him. And uh, last year was my first experience. I think that was the first year, second year maybe they did the draft. Um, but uh, it, it creates a little bit, not necessarily more work, but, you, you know, you want to, if you want to do it right, you want to check on some kids and you want to watch a little film and, um, you know, and want to try to get the best available players that you can. Um, but I will say this, the, the event itself um, is top-notch. And that's what I tell our kids. If you get a chance to play in it, play in it. Because it's not just about the game. It's, it's about the entire week. You, will, I, I, I've had kids. Um, that I've coached in it before from different schools and some of our own that have said, I mean, that's, that's one of the greatest weeks of football that they've had. It's fun. Uh, you meet some other kids that are great athletes. Todd and his wife absolutely do a wonderful job with it. Uh, they keep the kids busy. They keep it fun. Uh, we go up to Bay Cliff. Uh, you know, we have the dinner on Friday night, and, you know, and then, of course, the game's on Saturday. Um, but it is an absolutely wonderful experience. Uh, for the players uh, and coaches alike. Well, you talked about coaching with Jeff Olson. I know what he means to you as a mentor, and obviously this will be his last go-around before retirement, but you guys get to coach it together and get to coach it with your staffs. And if you could, tell me a little about how special that's going to be to you. Well, I told him I'm the head coach. He's the assistant coach. (laughs) He better listen to me. 
um, no, uh, which, you know, I could tell him that all I want, and he probably still wouldn't, but, um, no, it, it, you know, I, I knew his time was coming short, and, uh, you know, uh, we talked about it a little bit, and I, I just thought it would be a kind of a neat idea if we did that, um, uh, and coach together, and I'm not looking at it from a head coach, assistant coach, and I think I'm probably going to do the offense, he's going to do the defense, and um, he has his staff helping out with the D, and I got my staff helping out with the offense. And um, what a great way to, to to have you know five of our kids in it. I think he has six kids in it. Um, we had one more, Jacob Adriano, uh, but he declined um, uh, to part, partake in the uh, the All Star game. Um, you know, but we got and we might not get him. Um, you know, uh, because it's a draft, but. Um, you know, obviously you want to try to get your kids and, you know, but there's, 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 we're looking at the, at the lineup this year and, you know, there's some really, really good football players out there. And, uh, you know, I watched a lot of film now, uh, these last couple of months and trying to get a little bit of a take on, on, you know, who we're looking at. And I think we got a pretty good idea and probably got a somewhat of a plan of attack going in Saturday, but, you know, you never know. The other team might pick somebody that you wanted, and then you got to make adjustments. And you know, but that's fun. That's the fun part of it. And uh, you get to kind of put your team together. And and uh, at the end, you know, on, on that Saturday in June, you get to see uh, see what you're made out of. Well, coach, you mentioned the draft is a fairly new process. It's going to be held at Buffalo Wild Wings here in Marquette Saturday yep. night at six. But tell me about the draft process and how they do it for the All Star Game. Uh, I think we're going to flip, you know, you usually flip and then see who gets the first pick and then the, the second pick gets the next two picks and then you alternate back and forth from there. Uh, this year, I believe it's a little bit different um, it, uh, that I have two fathers on my staff, um, Coach Hewitt, whose son is Blake, and then uh, Coach Mann, whose son is Hayden. Um, and so rather than split up a father's son, you know, we automatically get them. And so Todd has, uh, has it worked out. Uh, I think we still flip and, you know, get, uh, I think what he did was the other team gets the choice, um, possibly if, uh, they want the first or the next two. Um, and I, you know, you're not sure what you're, they're going to take. So you got to prepare for both. Um, and so that was kind of the trade off for getting those two guys. Um, you know, but uh, and it, it kind of just go back and forth. You know, last year, uh, myself and Coach Wilgen in, um, Coach Gray were, were all there. And uh, this year, I know my staff's going to be there. I'm sure Jeff's staff's going to be there. We're going to put our heads together. And, you know, we have, we, I've, I've talked to Jeff quite a bit already about uh, what we want to try to do and who we want to try to get. And um, the, uh, Come draft day, you know, you got to have a backup plan too. So uh, we'll put our heads together and, you know, make it a fun process because that's what it's all about. When you're drafting, is there a countdown clock? You have a certain amount of time to get your picks in, what have you, or how is it all regulated? You got about two minutes to take a pick. Uh, you know, it's, it's not like the NFL draft where they get 30 minutes or something like that. Uh, um, it's, it's, you get two minutes. So you got to have your ducks in a row. And, uh, once a, there's only certain number of positions that you can um, draft on. So you can draft two quarterbacks. Well, if you go out and get two quarterbacks, 
if another kid that you want is listed as a quarterback, you, you can't go out and get them. Um, but the nice thing about it is most kids in the Upper Peninsula are two-way players. And so they're listed, pop, you know, a lot of kids are listed as, say, a quarterback, defensive back. Well, we have two quarterbacks. We could also draft that other kid who can play quarterback as a defensive back. Um, and then you can always move them. You can always move them um, uh, in the draft, you know, if they're listed in their uh, position. If you drafted that second quarterback and he's a linebacker and you need a linebacker, you can move him to a linebacker and uh, then move that other kid into the quarterback spot. So it's, it's a chess game a little bit, you know, moving some pieces around. Uh, you know, and then throughout the week, and we did this a lot last year, was, you know, um, we, we moved a few kids. We were we kind of went in with, with, I thought, what Al had an excellent game plan. Uh, but then, you know, you get into that game plan and you find out, you know, okay, maybe this kid can help us here a little bit more and this and that. And so we moved a few kids around last year, and I, I think it benefited uh, benefited our team by doing, doing so. Um, so, you know, Todd gives us that leeway too. So it's nice. Talking with Scott Sergula, head football coach at Westwood, getting set to draft a team for the UP All-Star Game coming up this summer at the Superior Dome. Coach, I know this one might be tough to answer. I know it's an All-Star Game. It's a showcase. If you could, tell me how competitive this thing is going to be. Uh, well, one, I, I'm going to reiterate this as much as I can. That if, if you have an opportunity to support the UP All-Star Game, you know, you're supporting a good cause. Uh, Todd gives back to the schools. Todd gives back to the community, uh, and it is an absolutely wonderful experience for 90 plus kids every single year. Um, that being said, uh, I don't think I would be. You know, there's a scoreboard. There's a winner. There's a loser. Um, you know, so uh, we're going to try to draft the best possible kids according to you know what we want to try to do, um, and. Uh, I know that on the other side, you've got uh, Coach Kangas and Coach Baruti and uh, um, Coach Jacobson from Nagani. Uh, you know, and we wouldn't be in this racket if we weren't competitive. And uh, that being said, though, too, I mean, it, it's different. It's, it's uh, you coach a little bit differently, you know, a little bit relaxed. Um, you don't have to worry about effort. I mean, that's, you know, uh, you know, sometimes in high school sports, you're, you're trying to motivate a kid. You're trying to show a kid the, you know, the right way to go and how to work hard and things like that. But these kids are here for a reason. They have worked hard. This is their reward. You know, they, they got the all-conference, the all-UP, the all-state honors. And, um, I, I, you know, you've you got a kid in front of you that uh, they just work. And um, they, they go hard and... Um, they're, they're the best at their position, respective position or positions, uh, rightfully so. And, um, you know, so you, you go in and now it's, you're trying to scheme a little bit and, um, you know, and uh, put those kids in a position to be successful. Well, Coach, it's not just about the game. You alluded to this a little bit earlier. They make a fun week out of it for the guys, and they give back to the community. They head out to Bay Cliff. There's a banquet, media day. Tell me about some of the events that they do for the players throughout yeah, the week. Yeah, sure. You know, they got their weightlifting challenge, their skills challenge. Uh, they do that for the kids, you know, and that's kind of a little bit of a break for the coaches in midweek. And, um, and, and uh, you, you know, myself, uh, I, have a, I have a daughter with special needs, 
and uh, Baycliffe is, is, has always been um, dear to my heart. And, uh, you know, you go up there and I'm telling you, you, you witness things that, you know, there's a reason that these kids are all-star players. And you, you not only see why in practice or on the football field, uh, you see why when you go up to Baycliffe because those kids go up there, um, they go up and interact with those kids, and they uh, we go into the field house up there, and uh, we have them uh, run through the gauntlet with a football, and we kick field goals, and uh, we spend time with them. We have dinner with them. Uh, we walk around the campus up there with them. It is, uh, and, and really get to see a world that maybe sometimes uh, those kids uh, always don't see, and uh, I, I can't say enough about it. It, uh, it is. Um, Probably, no, it is. It is the highlight of the week. And uh, any player that, or coach that comes out of that week will tell you that. So that, that is the highlight of the week. And, um, uh, you know, furthermore, Todd gives back uh, to Bay Cliff, um, two different uh, community organizations in and around Marquette area. Um, he gave back to uh, different schools. Every single year, they, they'll get the game balls or the jerseys or a cash donation. Um, it, it, he really does know how to put on a great event, and, and uh, he does an absolutely wonderful job. And that's why I like being a part of it. I, I really do. It's a, it's a fun, uh, great experience. And this year, you know, it's going to be a little bit more special to me. Um, you know, I, we got five kids in it, and those seniors are uh, very close uh, with me, and I'm, I'm very close with them. And, I think highly of them, and uh, I get to coach them one last time, and um, and uh, I also get to coach with Jeff Olson one last time. And, uh, you know, he, and you and I have talked about this before, that, you know, he's been a mentor to me throughout my, my career, and, and um, you know, we get to do it one more time together. And I, I, I think selfishly, I, I, I think that's pretty neat. <laughs> I really do. I, I think it's uh, – I want him to do it, and, um, um, you know, I – may never get that opportunity again and um you know so i think it's going to be a special year and, and uh you know if, if we lose i'll blame it on jeff if we win you know i'm going to take the credit so <laughs> uh, i'm just kidding but um you know so it's uh it should be a fun week i'm excited for it scott sergela is the head football coach at westwood high school he prepares to draft for the all-UP All-Star Game this weekend. Coach, appreciate the time as always. Looking forward to talking again soon. All right. Thanks, Dan. That's it for us in the sports pen. As always, appreciate you tuning in on ESPN UPWZAM Ishpeming Marquette. Join us tonight. Patriot basketball against Charlevoix. 640 pregame, 7 o'clock tip on ESPN UP.